are in our new series that Pastor Jim kicked off for us last Sunday, and it's entitled Kryptonite, which you're going to see behind me on the screen. We are taking the first month of January to dedicate to identifying the things or the places in our lives that maybe are holding us back, what those areas look like, and how we can identify them and then ultimately surrender them to the Lord, right? Because like I just said, we want to better ourselves in the new year. We want this year to be a year of growth, a year of spiritual growth, but if we're going to do that, we need to first let go of the things that are holding us back, right? So that's what we're doing. That's how we're diving into this new series. And last week, we looked to scripture. Pastor Jim walked us really from Old Testament to New Testament, examples of men in the Bible, characters that we have probably grown up reading about and learning about and recognizing that every single one of them battled some type of kryptonite. Do you remember these? So we talked about Moses. We looked at David, Gideon, Paul, all types, Solomon, all these men, all these like mega men of the Bible, right? They had something that they struggled with and some of them let it completely consume them. So that's why we are taking this time to identify what those might be for us and making sure that that doesn't happen, right? We're not gonna let these kryptonites control us. We're gonna take control of them, amen? Awesome. And the biggest takeaway, which for me and for all of us last Sunday, was reminding ourselves that whatever that kryptonite is, we serve a God that is much, much bigger, much, much greater. He's bigger than our biggest sin, our deepest fears, our biggest insecurities, whatever that might be, God is greater than all of that. And so today, I want us to continue that conversation, and we're going to look at one particular kryptonite that I believe is prevalent in the church world, We're going to discuss how we can potentially identify it in ourselves and then ultimately be able to surrender it to the Lord. And I'm really excited to talk about it with you. I hope that you are excited to talk about it with me as well. Awesome. Okay, let's jump in. So I have a simple question that I'm going to ask you right from the start. You don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to seriously think about it. Okay? It's this. Why are you here? And I don't mean, why are you here on this earth? We're not going to get like that dark and that intense that early. I specifically mean, why are you here at church? Why are you here at real life right now? Think about it. I'm sure there's lots of different answers all across the room today. Some of you might be here because you want to be here, because it's Sundays and you love to be at church. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here because somebody forced you to be here. And if that's you, please don't raise your hand. (laughs) Maybe you're here simply because it's Sundays and this is where we come on Sunday mornings. It's just a part of my routine or it's a part of my family's routine. Well, whatever it might be, we can all agree that every single one of us have some type of a routine in our everyday lives, maybe multiple routines. I think about my mornings I do the same thing every single morning. I wake up, I go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, put in my contacts, go downstairs, make my coffee, start my day. Some of you might do something very similar. It's just a part of my nature. I do that every morning. Maybe you have a cleaning routine, mom's laundry day. That might be every day. I hope that it's not for you. (laughs) 
but maybe you know a certain day or multiple days of the week that you do your laundry, you don't have to think about it, that's the day, or clean the house, whatever it might be, right? We all have them. Maybe it's a workout routine. Maybe you get up first thing every morning and you go out for a run or you jump on that bike or you head to the gym and it's just a a mindless thing at that point. It's second nature, right? We all have them. Almost everything in our lives comes down to some type of routine. Well, church, in a sense, if that's the case, is a part of a routine. Would you agree? Would you agree? Thank you. Well, here's where, don't get quiet on me, y'all. Here's where it can get tricky, okay? If we're not careful, our faith can become just another mindless routine. We could go through our weeks every night saying the same prayer at the dinner table, right? Or maybe with our kids at bedtime. We could come in here every Sunday and sit in the same spot and know just the right place to say amen to the pastor, even though I have no idea what he just said in his message, right? We might talk. (laughs) Oh, we've got a jokester in the room. (laughs) But it's true, it's true. You might come in and you might say hi to the same few people, ask them the same blanket questions. I mean, is this resonating with anybody? Like, we all fall victim of this. There could be Sundays that you come to church You go through the whole service and you get home and you're like, I don't really even remember much of what happened. I don't really remember who I talked to or what we talked about because it's just a mindless action. Maybe we just go home and then we get ready to start that same routine over and over again. So you could be here right now, right now, as a part of a mindless routine. Well, last Sunday, when we talked about what kryptonite is and what its function is in the world of the Kryptonians, we established that it is a poisonous radiation that weakens the Kryptonians or weakens Superman, right? Now, the longer that they're exposed to it, the weaker they can become, ultimately ending in death. How does that relate to us in the church right now. This is what I think. Things like complacency, things like disengagement, or maybe having a religious mindset, those can be very real kryptonites in the church. And if we're not careful, if we're not on guard, or we can't identify those things, they will begin to slowly weaken us. They will seep into us. We might not have any clue what's taking place, that mentally we've checked out, but they're working their way into our everyday life, weakening us, weakening our relationship with Jesus until suddenly we come to and we realize we have no idea what our faith is, what we believe, what we're founded on, or what comes next. So, that's what I want us to dissect today. We're going to dissect our faith. I know uh, growing up, and I don't know if he said it in a long time, but my dad used to say, some services you need to buckle up. We're going to buckle up today, okay? I want you to strap in with me today because we're going to dive deep into our faith. 
So whether you are new to Jesus or maybe you have been serving him for your whole life or for years and years and years, wherever you fall in between there, together we're going to spend some time asking the Lord to reveal those potential kryptonites in our lives, okay? What has become mindless? What has just become a religious routine for us? And then we're going to ask him to breathe a fresh wind into us, to reignite a fire, relight the fire, the passion for his church, for his people, for our community, not just in ourselves, but we want to see that in real life today. Amen? Amen. And look, I could probably stand up here and tell you all of the ways that I think we could do it, but I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to waste my time. We're going to look to the Word of God together, okay? So if you have your Bible, you can pull that out now. If you don't have your Bible, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Yes, they're real. They're not just there as a decoration. So if you can take that Bible out, I want us today to be doers of the word, not just hearers or seers of the word, okay? Open that Bible to the book of Matthew. It's the very first book of the New Testament. We're going to be camped out there today in Chapter 15. I love hearing those pages move. Way to go, guys. <laughs> so in Scripture, we see many examples of Jesus dealing with this concept of religion or complacency, disengagement, all these various things. He deals with them a ton, particularly with the Pharisees, right? If you're familiar with the Pharisees, who were these men? These were the strict teachers, the strict followers of religious ceremonies, of practices, Jewish law, right? These were the guys that walked like in the headdresses and anytime they walked the streets, everybody had to move out of the way and honor them. They were a big deal for the Jewish culture back then. They made sure that whatever the Jewish traditions or laws were, that those who followed were upholding those laws. That was what they devoted themselves to. And they believed in a coming Messiah. That wasn't a problem. That's not where the disagreement was. No, what they did not like was Jesus rolling onto the scene and proclaiming himself the Messiah, right? So time and time again, all throughout the Gospels, we read of like Jesus versus Pharisee. They're constantly at each other. The Pharisees specifically fighting Jesus on basically everything that he thought or taught or said because it didn't follow the laws or the rules in which those Pharisees so fiercely guarded. So in Matthew 15, we see a great example of that, and we're going to read these first few verses together. You can follow along with the Bible that you have in your hands, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. Matthew 15, verse 1, it says this, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replies, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, then they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God 
for the sake of your tradition. So let's break that down. What, what's Jesus saying? What's his comeback there? Essentially, the fact before they eat, and I feel like there's got to be a mom somewhere in the room that's like, that is my fight every single day. I see, I see those head nods. That's literally, for whatever reason, like that is the thing that the Pharisees decided that they were going to absolutely lose their marbles over, was the concept of these men eating their food before they wash their hands, because it's a tradition, right? Not just because it's unclean, which it is, in a sense, especially back then. Who knows? Dirt. Who knows where they'd been? It was a tradition, and they didn't like that these men weren't meeting that tradition. Well, when we look at that very first sentence, or at least that original question, I think it's verse 2, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So what's the very first thing that you notice there? What's wrong with that question? They're asking about a tradition of the elders, not a commandment of the Lord. This is a huge, huge red flag for Jesus. So Jesus answers their question, and I believe, being the funny man that he was, he answers their question with a question. Such a power move. He says, well, then why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Didn't God say to honor your father and mother and to put any, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death? Now, the next portion, I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it in a different translation to maybe help us understand what exactly it is that Jesus is saying that they do. But instead, you weasel around that command by saying that whoever wants to can say to their father and mother, what I owed to you, I've already given to God. That can hardly be called respecting your parents. You cancel God's command by your rules. So here's what this means. In Jesus' day, Jewish people often found a way around this command of the Lord, essentially saying, if, if my parents need help, okay, I can tell them, and I don't want to help them, maybe it's not that they can't help them, they just don't want to help them, then they can say, oh, well, my money or my income, it belongs to God. Therefore, I can't help you. When maybe it wasn't actually true, they just didn't want to offer help. So where would we ever read something like that in Scripture? We wouldn't. Jesus would never command that of us. The Lord would never command something of, like that to us. So that's where the law stepped in or this tradition stepped in. And they said, okay, well, we'll come up with a way around that so that you can still get what you want, but in the name of the Lord. Yikes. So in other words, that's what the Pharisees are saying. They found a way around the commandment. Now, I don't know if at any point it has sparked anything in your minds, but we sometimes do the very same thing. Do we not? You might not have to answer that one. That might be a quieter response. That's okay. But there's absolutely been times in all of our lives where we've made some type of excuse or changed the rule, kind of stepped around the commandment, the clear word of the Lord, because maybe it doesn't match what we want to do, what we feel like doing, what we want others to see us as, right? All the time. We find ways to skirt around the commandments of the Lord 
a holy life, a holy life that we're called to live in order to just best match our own wants or our own desires. Well, let's see how Jesus responds. Verse 7, read with me. He says, you hypocrites, yikes, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Ouch. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. This prophecy that Jesus is quoting is from Isaiah 29. And yes, it's true of the Pharisees in that day and age, or it's true of those that followed that religious way of living. But is it not also true for us today? I'm going to read that one more time. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. We're talking about this today because I believe that religion can be a silent kryptonite in the church as a whole, not just in real life, in the capital C church. I believe that it is a poison that is working its way through the body and it's killing us. And if we aren't careful, if we cannot identify it, we're going to be left all alone, no idea what we're founded on, lost, right back where we started. Let's keep reading together. Verse 10. So now Jesus is looking away from the Pharisees, and he's talking to the crowd, and he's talking to his disciples. Jesus calls to the crowd, and he says, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. This is Jesus speaking. So he's telling the crowd, look, if you're eating food and you're not washing your hands, that's not what is going to corrupt you. But what is coming out of your mouth, if that is not clean, if that is not holy, that is absolutely going to corrupt you. So he's wanting them to understand tradition and religion are meaningless when compared to the condition of their hearts. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart, if that is not truth, if that is not holy, if that is not aligned with the Lord, absolutely it will corrupt you. Tradition and religion mean absolutely nothing if our hearts are not aligned with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 12 together. So now, the disciples, they come to Jesus and they ask him, do you know that the Pharisees are offended by what you just said? And I find this hilarious because I am not a person that deals with conflict very well. And so if I had been in the room or I had been present for Jesus absolutely annihilating what the Pharisees are upset about, I would have been like just trying to disappear into the crowd. So there's clearly some tension in the room. The disciples themselves, the followers of Jesus, are running to him concerned about that very thing. Do you know that you just offended the Pharisees? Which in all honesty, back then, was probably a pretty big deal 
It's part of what got Jesus into a lot of trouble. But what I think about this is that Jesus absolutely knew what he was doing. Jesus was never just stirring the pot. He wasn't just shooting from the hip. He knew exactly what he was saying and who he was saying it to. It's such a power move. And I don't think that he was doing it to offend them. I believe he was trying to offend the tradition. He was trying to offend the religion that was inside of these men, these men who value their own laws or their own rules above the very commandments in which they so fiercely protect. It doesn't make sense. And that's why Jesus comes and he's like, okay, scratch it. Scratch everything that you think you know. Let me show you the right way to live. And that's what we see there. Now, verse 13, Jesus, he replies, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. So leave them. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, then both will fall into a pit. Yikes. There's a lot right there. That's a lot. That's, once again, Jesus saying those very words. Charles Spurgeon, he wrote a commentary on this portion of Matthew, and he says it like this. There was no need for the disciples or for Jesus to combat the Pharisees because he knew that they would be uprooted in the natural order of things by the inevitable consequences of their own course. Yikes. Read that again. There's, it's so important for us to like turn our brains on and read what Jesus himself is saying in this, in this passage. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots, so leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Church, I don't know about you, but I hope that I am never on the receiving end of a word like that. I pray that I, that we here in this room or watching online are not going to just be pulled up because our root system is dead. It's decayed. It doesn't exist. It's not connected to anything. I don't want us to be that and I'm not saying that we are, that any one of us are there right now. It's important that we're talking about this so that we're on guard for these kryptonites. You might not have it in you right now, but if you aren't careful, if we aren't continuing to strive towards holiness, right? Striving towards living a life like Jesus. These are very real things that we can fall into as we see it in the Bible. If they were doing that thousands of years ago, could it not also be true of us today? What's devastating to me is that the Pharisees spent countless hours in the very presence of the living God, and they missed everything. It's unimaginable. I can't fathom being in his presence for real, for real, face to face with the Lord, having opportunities to learn from him, to glean from him, to, 
to set my life to look just like his, but to cross my arms and say, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what my, my tradition tells me. That's not here what this old man or this woman has told me to live my life. The Messiah is in the room and he's offering to them a new way of thinking, a new way of life, and they're completely closed off to it. He's given them everything, but they're so focused on their tradition, on their own ways of thinking. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but the reality is that some of us in this room are living the same way. This way of thinking or living is a very real kryptonite in the church, and it's holding a lot of us back from being fully engaged in our faith walk with Jesus. So what do we do? We look inside. We examine the state of our heart, and we ask the Lord to reveal these things. Isn't that what's so great about our God? We can talk to him. We can go to him in very real, very tangible ways. Broken, lost, confused, angry, hurting. We can talk to him. Invite him into our lives. Seek his voice for answers. So we're going to do that together today. Are you with me? We're going to ask the Lord to reveal kryptonites, the kryptonite of a religious mindset, these Pharisees. Am I a Pharisee or am I a follower? Ask yourself that question. Take some time to look inward. The way that you think, the way that you treat people, the way that you operate in the church Am I living like a Pharisee or am I living like a follower? What I love so much about reading through the Gospels, how Jesus traveled from city to city to city, crowds would gather. There were thousands and thousands of people who were desperate to learn from him, to hear from him, a new way of living, a better way of living. That's what I want to be. I want to always be at his feet, always seeking more for myself, for our church. Amen? I want to model myself after the followers and God reveal in my heart, reveal in our hearts the areas where we have become the Pharisees. Have we lost our compassion for people and replaced it with indifference? These are real questions for us to ask ourselves. Have we begun to lack empathy or concern for those around us, going back to those mindless routines? God, are we sometimes coming into your house, coming into your church, and just going right through the motions, not even aware of those that are around me who are hurting? who are alone, who are in need of help. That's us. Plot twist. That's why we're here. God has empowered us. God has equipped his church, equipped believers to be the hands and feet of Jesus.
And it takes us getting up out of our pews or getting out of our normal, everyday, mindless church routines and looking around and seeing where's the need. We are not going to grow. And look, we are not a church of numbers. We don't care about, we're not chasing numbers. We have great leaders and great pastors who are not about that, right? We know that. But could we all agree that there's room for people in this place today? I'm sure we could think of a person or maybe five that need to be in church. Maybe it's somebody that, that you know that has been a part of real life and they're not here. You don't see them today. What do we do about that? If not us, who? If we can't step out, look around, and do something about the needs, those that are lost, that are maybe ashamed, shoot, that is a heavy thing that is gripping a lot of Christians today. I was flying high for a long time, and I was in church every Sunday, right up front, or serving faithfully, but I fell and now I'm ashamed. But there's no room for that in the house, right? We don't, we don't believe that. We don't put that on people. Jesus doesn't put that on people. Okay, you agree with me. So let's step out and let's actually do something about it. Faith requires action. And more than just the action of coming into this building, sitting down, standing up, receiving a word, and going on our way. I'm sorry if we maybe were hoping to come in and just get a pat on the head, but believe me, I'm kicking myself as well because I want 2023 to be different for us. I want 2023 to explode, to blow our minds on what we are capable of when we are operating alongside the Holy Spirit. There's so much more in us, real life. There's so much more that we can be doing So we're going to go there together. Now, what about the kryptonite of self-righteousness? Another ouch. Sorry, it's not going to get easier from here. (laughs) Sorry to tell you. But these are real things, and we might as well just call them out now and get them out of the way, right? Self-righteousness. When we think, I know better, I've got my own way of living my ways or my way of thinking or my way of of being in church, they work fine for me. Can I tell you that the fastest way to halt your spiritual growth is a life of self-righteousness? If we can't be able to admit that we don't have it all figured out, that we don't know what we're doing If we can't lay down, ooh, this is big, church. If we cannot lay down our own ways on this earth, these things that are so fleeting, these things that will be meaningless, have absolutely nothing when we are in eternity, hopefully with the Lord. If we can't first lay that down, we're gonna be stuck right where we are. We cannot grow 
We need Jesus. We need his teachings. We need to learn from him. That's why I love that we're offering the Real Life Bible Institute. This isn't just something that we've thrown together last minute. Our pastors, our leaders want to see us engage together, grow together, expand our knowledge of Jesus and scripture together. When we do that, we're going to start to lay down those things that are not ours, or those things that, that are not, but don't belong to God, right? And we're going to pick up what is his. That's what we will operate from. What about kryptonites of complacency, okay? This is, again, going back to this mindlessly going through the motions, but we're completely disengaged. I'll go to church when I feel like it. I'll serve as I can, when it fits my schedule. I'll tithe when it matches my financial plans. We've thought these things, you and I both. Complacency, that way of thinking or that way of existing, it's going to cause us to grow numb to the Holy Spirit, numb to the voice of the Lord. What did Isaiah 29 say? What did we read together? These people will honor me with their lips, but their hearts will be far from me. My prayer for us today is that we draw near to Jesus. We draw near to the one who holds the answers. The one who can reveal in us these kryptonites, these things that are holding us back from living a fully engaged life in Jesus. I'm going to ask uh, the band to come up. We're going to start to finish out today. We're going to read these last few verses. Hopefully you still have the Bible somewhere around you. You can pull that back out or read with me on the screen. But Jesus is finishing out his teaching with these final words and he's saying it in a way that really, if you didn't understand anything that he said up until this point, we're going to understand it here. Jump to verse 17, verse 17 with me. Jesus says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth just goes into the stomach and then out the body? But things that come out of a person's mouth, those come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These things are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, that does not. Our hearts are the gate. What we allow to pass through our hearts, that is either going to cause us to flourish to wither and die in our spiritual lives. So I'm going to ask you again, why are you here? It's okay to identify whatever the reason is, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, know it in your heart, know that answer. And we're going to take these last couple of moments and ask the Lord, to reveal those areas, to reveal these kryptonites, if they've taken root in our hearts, Lord, weed them out. It's time that we surrender them.
cannot take them from us if we are unable to let go. Let him have them. It's all just words if we can't humble ourselves. Humble ourselves in surrender. And not to me and not to each other, but to the Lord. Surrender is vital. If you catch nothing else today, remind yourself, write it down. Surrender is vital to the health of our relationship with Jesus. Being real with the Lord, being honest with the Lord. When we do this, immediately you find peace. Immediately you find hope. Immediately you find joy, grace, forgiveness. God loves us even in our mess. That's what makes him so great. You don't have to be in this room and be perfect. You don't have to walk out of this room and be perfect or tomorrow morning be perfect. No. He loves us right where we are. But if we as believers, if we, those of us in the room that have set apart our lives to follow him, to model ourselves after him, we have to be okay with saying, I'm not okay and I don't have it all figured out. So God, would you teach me? God, would you show me how to live freely? Would you show me the areas in my life that I've become complacent, that I've become disengaged? When we do that, when we surrender, he answers and you're gonna grow and your mind is going to change. The way that you look at your everyday life with your family, with your work, with your kids, with your spouse, with your church, it will change drastically. You will have unspeakable joy when we submit to his ways that are greater. I don't want the world. I don't want what the world has to offer. What is it? What is it when compared to an eternity separate from Jesus? How foolish would I be if I was up here saying these things to you, but not living them myself? Y'all, I struggled this week with this message because the minute my dad gave me like a list of things, you could talk about this, 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 all kinds of things. Some were way easier and way lighter. And the second I looked at the list, religion screamed at me. And I thought, oh, geez, please, no. Why, God? <laughs> Why? And this whole week, everything that I read in Matthew 15 convicted me every which way till next Tuesday. These were words that I needed to be reminded of. We sang a song together last Sunday for the first time that honestly, I don't even, I didn't, it wasn't a coincidence, but I believe that it set us up for a sermon today. Take the world, but give me Jesus. I don't want anything else. There's nothing better 
those of us that have placed our hope, that have placed our lives in Christ, we have no idea what tomorrow has. We have no idea what's ahead. So why play? Why play with our faith? Why play with our eternity? This is what I asked myself this week. Why are you messing around? Why are you not living out your full potential with Jesus? I had to surrender. I had to say, Jesus, then take those things of me. Identify in me where I've become complacent, where I've become religious, where I'm just going through the motions. Wake me up. Set a fire in my soul. And I want that for us as a church as well. It's time to let the old die. Our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing, doing church, doing life. We want exponentially more. Would you agree? I want exponentially more for my life, more than I could ever fathom, hope, or imagine. I want that for your life as well, and I want that for real life. I want this year to be different. And it has to start with us. So we're taking time at the start of a new year, before all the busyness, before we, 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 have, we run into the risk of falling into patterns, right? Before any of that, we need to lay things down before the Lord. And we need to take time to look inward, to evaluate the status of our hearts. Because what did Jesus himself tell us? It starts with the heart. What's coming out of us? It's coming from our heart. So if our heart is not where it needs to be, if our heart is not rooted in the right ways, in the godly ways, we're lost. I want us to leave today free of religious strongholds and to walk in the freedom, to walk in the freedom that can be only found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Take it all, but give me Jesus. You can have it all. All my possessions, all my worldly things, my worldly way of living, my worldly ways of talking with my kids, in my household, in my workplace, with my friends, behind closed doors. Take it all and just give me Jesus. I want us to walk in the freedom when we accept that and we can't just say those words. We have to believe them. We have to surrender them. This isn't a place of judgment. This isn't a place of I need to be a certain way or don't you know who I am. I'm the pastor's kid and I'm saying that I've got things that I need to lay down before the Lord. So we're going to do that together. 
The band is going to sing. Do whatever you want to. If you want to move to the altar, you can do that. But spend some time where you are seriously checking inside, asking the Lord to reveal those kryptonites that might have found their way in that you didn't even realize they had. Surrender them to the Lord. Ask him to refill you. Ask him to breathe that fresh wind so that you can walk in victory, so that you can live a life like Christ. Let's start there. Will you do that with me? Jesus, we're bringing these kryptonites to your feet. God, we're asking you to identify them in our hearts. Reveal those areas that have become mindless in our relationship with you. God, where we're just going through the motions. Jesus, let it begin in us. 